You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Friday edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Hopefully, everybody's had a good week, good month, good summer. I'll tell you this, man, the uh, the velvet action in the fields these days i don't know where you live but if you have the opportunity to get out right now and go driving around and and uh look for deer out in fields i think man i feel like the action is has been picking up and over the last three or four drives that i went on with my boys we've we've seen some really good deer now unfortunately most of those properties uh i don't have access to but i saw a really good deer i'm going to put them in the low 160s high 150s uh class as a i think he was a 10 pointer uh it was he was a long ways away but he looked really good he was out past his ears uh main beams went out to his nose his tine lengths weren't really too terribly long but anyway it got me excited and i'm probably going to go knock on a door this afternoon once i'm done editing and getting my work done for the day so good things are happening right the season is getting closer we got to shoot our bows more we got to get ready for the season we got to inspect our gear and i'm doing all that right now i got to shoot more out of the saddle uh that i that i got uh this year i'm going to use this year so i'm really looking forward to that today's episode we're going to be talking with a gentleman named zach vadava and he's out of northern wisconsin and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how he was a complacent hunter Right. He, he, he had done the same exact thing for several years and he was kind of unhappy. He kind of got burnt out and bored with how his, I don't want to say maybe his strategy was playing out. He was still finding success every now and then, but it was, you know, the same thing, the same, same type of deer every single year, you know, fairly small, young deer. And he finally said to himself, man, I gotta, I gotta learn to get better. And so he pulled up my podcast he pulled up uh, the working class bow hunter podcast and a couple other uh, podcasts that are out there and he had kind of an aha moment he's like dude all these people that these guys are interviewing are doing things different than how i do it and so i got to change my game and so long story short he he makes a couple strategy changes uh, in 2020 changes the strategy gets the same caliber of deer but then in 2021 makes this huge commitment to where hey man i'm i'm going after a different caliber of deer this year and it paid off so awesome episode i love listening to guys you can hear him explain how he had to have a mindset change in in this episode and so huge shout out to zach for uh, getting it done and uh good luck this upcoming season man but before we get into today's episode we got to do a commercial and so tethered right if you're looking for a high quality saddle you need to go check out tethered right not only do they have all the equipment right the platforms the saddle the 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 uh saddle accessories and climbing sticks things like that 
They also have an education found, like the foundation of what they do is based off education and they have all that education on their website and on their YouTube channel. So if you want to learn how to be a saddle hunter, go check out Tethered. All right. Next, Wasp Archery. Dude, I love I love this company. I love the, the guys who work there. And uh, I love what kind of damage their broadheads do to animals on, on the best shots, which, you know, the double lung or the heart shots that we all that we all kind of hope for, but also on the not so great shots, the hard quartering away shots, maybe some deflection or, or it maybe user error i've been there and it's back a little bit in the guts in the ham or things like that but the destruction that these broadheads do turn bad shots into good shots and so huge fan of wasp not only behind that you have great material great engineering and that leads to a product that i'm very confident in so if you want to find out more about wasp go visit wasparchery.com discount code for 20 percent off nfc20 nfc20 next hunt stand dude i'm on hunt stand all the time now uh the the out-of-state hunts are coming up faster and faster every single day and week and so that means i got to be prepared and i got to know where i'm going and i have to know where the boundaries are i need to know how to access the properties and once i get out there i have to know where to go and uh, so i am definitely using that functionality all the time it's affordable with the most functionality so if you want to find out more about hunt stand and all the functionality and features that they offer which is above and beyond anything else and there's a reason why it's the number number one most popular hunting app on the market go visit huntstand.com discount code sn20 for 20 percent off and lastly my homeboys over at vortex not only do these guys offer great products spotting scopes binoculars uh range finders red dots you name it rifle scopes that you name it they have it and they have a support team behind their products that is second to none they want to see you be successful they want to see you use their uh you know use their products and they also want repeat customers and the only way to do that is to have excellent customer service and an excellent product and vortex has that so if you want to find out more information of uh everything that vortex has to offer go visit vortex optics.com and they also have a really awesome uh, podcast themselves vortex nation you can see that on youtube all right commercials are done i just want to say one thing before we get started if you if you are not following the nine finger chronicles on instagram please do so if you're not following the sportsman's empire on instagram please do so and uh, last but not least man go leave a five-star review wherever you download your podcast iTunes preferably or Apple podcast if, if you're listening there which most of you are it sounds like or from from the analytics that I get and be sure to check out other podcasts on the sportsman's empire if you're state specific let's say if you live in Pennsylvania if you live in Ohio if you live in Missouri if you live in Wisconsin things like that or if throughout the entire south we have a podcast dedicated to you guys so go check that out as well and uh now we can be done and now we can get into today's episode where a guy figures out a, a new hunting strategy that leads to success three two one ladies and gentlemen on the phone with me today mr zach vadava how we doing man I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Where do you hail from? Northeast Wisconsin, Marinette mm-hmm. County. Nice, nice. Is that uh, would that be considered big woods up there? Yeah, I, probably north of me is. I'm agricultural area. There's a lot of farm fields. Gotcha. Um, like hundred, two hundred acre chunks of timber, and then a lot of fields around. Gotcha. Stuff like that, like corn, soybeans this year. Gotcha. All right, so pretty much that standard Midwestern type of uh, hunting scenario. Yeah. A lot of dairy farms, yep. Gotcha, okay. All right, so uh, before we kind of get into uh, today's episode, why don't you uh, tell us what do you do for a living? I'm a welder down at a weld shop. Gotcha, gotcha. I think I've expressed before that uh, I my welding sucks really bad. <laughs> and so I, I always re- refer to this story when I was in college and... And uh, me and my buddy, our parents worked for a 
uh, a steel manufacturer, uh, like a, a they they made big I beams for other okay. for other companies, and so there was a lot of welding. Well, we didn't do any welding on that on those particular like the stuff that they sold, but we worked for the maintenance department, and we had, every once in a while had to do some weld jobs. And okay. they put us, <laughs> they made me and my buddy do some welding, uh, like weld these shelves up or something like that. And the guy, the maintenance boss came through and he was just like, Jesus, guys, I can't like, oh, I'm going to have to go back and do it. And that was the last time we were ever allowed to weld on that job. He, he, <laughs> he said, he goes, that looks like Swiss cheese. I can't have it. And, uh, and so I guess if your welds look like Swiss cheese, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely takes some skill and some knowledge to know what you're doing. And I've been doing it since high school. I graduated high school in 2004. So I've been doing it, you know, good almost 20 years now or so. Yeah. So. yeah. Did you have to go to like a, a training school for that? Yep. Yeah, I went to NWTC up here. It's a, it's a technical college. Yeah. And uh, got my degree in welding and stuff like that. Gotcha. Let me ask you this right now. I mean, every place is hiring. Every McDonald's libraries, you know, the, (laughs) the city looking for guys to pick trash up. Everybody's looking for, you know, people to do the job. What, what's the trade scenario like right now? I mean, Uh, everybody all welcome type of guys. Yeah. Everybody's welcome, but it's just, it's hard to find people that want to work. It's crazy. Yeah. We have so many open positions at the company that I work for and just can't find people that, I don't know if it's people are just lazy nowadays and don't want to work or yeah. it, well, I don't know what it is, but it's, it seems like every place is struggling to find, uh, yeah. Everybody in like the skilled trades, not even just welders. I mean, electricians and plumbers and everything else. Yeah. Well, that's a commitment too, right? It's not like there's a lot of people that, I mean, from what I've seen, they, they bounce around from job to job to job and, and it's a commitment yeah. for a trade, right? If you, if you can't just, be a plumber for a week. You got to dedicate time exactly. to be good at it, or yeah. you know, a welder. You got to dedicate time to it, and, and yeah. if you pretty wanna, much a career choice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So cool, man, cool. And uh, uh, married, kids, family. Uh, I'm actually divorced, mm. but <laughs> well, that should help I your hunting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do have two kids. Yeah. I have a daughter that's just turned six, and I have a little boy that's almost three. Oh, so, nice. Yep. Nice. Are they taking any interest into the the hunting lifestyle? Um, I bought my daughter a BB gun. She loves shooting that. Um, they love coming out in the woods with me. So I'm assuming they're gonna hunt. They yeah. like. They love all my mounts that are in the house. <laughs> right. Hey, let me so, ask you a, a question. Is that why you got divorced? Is it because you had so no. many mounts? No. No. no, no. <laughs> Oh, that was not it. <laughs> <laughs> I, we won't we won't go down that road. <laughs> yeah, it's all good though. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. All right. So, um, you reached out to me and you're like, "Hey, man, I want to, uh, uh, you know, if I ever get the opportunity, and you're looking for a guest, let's, uh, you know, I, I'd love to be on your show." And and so yep. I. I don't really turn anybody down. I love to talk deer with, with just about anybody. So let's just kind of start right at the beginning, Zach. Okay. Did you come from a, a hunting family? Oh yeah. yeah. Big time on uh big time on my dad, my dad's side of the family. Yeah. Was it that huge hunting family? Yeah. So when, when someone says tradition to me, you know, like there's a tradition in hunting, the first state, that I, I, that pops into my head is Wisconsin. There is a, as far as the Midwest is concerned, I'm sure there's traditions all over the country, but when it comes to tradition, Wisconsin pops up and it's just, it's like ingrained into the culture of that state. Uh, Did you guys do the, you know, first day of school or the first day of season, you know, was uh, on a Friday or whatever. And you guys got pulled out of school and did all that stuff. Oh, ours always falls on a Saturday. Okay. So we were always good, but yeah, you did not. I mean, I'm like firearm season. You never missed opening day. You, you go. Yeah. that's bigger than Christmas. Like you, <laughs> right. Right. That, that's your, that's your holiday. Yeah. So did you guys, yeah. did you guys have like a, a deer camp with a lot of people or was it something small with family or, or was it this huge, big event? It's small with family. We, we have a little camp now. We didn't when I first started hunting. 
lot. We we actually got a little trailer house now. We park out in the middle of the hayfield, and that's where we go eat lunch and stuff. And but yeah, when I started, I started when I was fourteen, and we didn't even we didn't have that then. It was just go sit on a platform, stand out in the woods, and wait for a deer to come by and shoot away a thirty thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so you started with. Uh, like a rifle or a high powered. I mean, is that what your family yep. did or did you have any bow hunting yeah. sprinkled in there? Uh, my dad, my dad was big into bow hunting in like the eighties and the, out through the mid nineties. And then he kind of just stopped because I think he just got busy with life. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> but he wants, he wants to pick it back up again. He's 66 now and he wants to start picking it up back up now until <laughs> he's retired. Thinking about getting a crossbow. Yeah. Better late um, than never. Yep, and uh, it's cool though because we still got he's still got his old Browning compound in the basement in the case. Nice. That thing is ancient. It's got wooden limbs on it even. It's pretty cool. Really, that's awesome. Yep. So, but uh, I mean, my grandfather, my grandfather's the one that really did everything. My grandfather was hardcore into you know gun season, whitetail. Yeah. Wisconsin. You yeah. went hunting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> were was there any other? outdoor activities sprinkled in on that like did your grandfather or your dad uh, ever take you trapping or fishing or things like that oh yeah we went fishing quite a bit in the summertime do some perch fishing out on on the bay of green bay mm-hmm. up here and stuff like that i mean i did a lot of like small game hunting too back in like high school and stuff i'd go rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting and stuff like that yeah yeah so 14 is when you really started to get into the the hunting aspect of it. Yeah, hunting deer. Hunting yep. deer. What happened before that? Were you just were you like not allowed to go or did it not interest my, you or <laughs> My dad didn't want me to start till I was 14. Okay. All right. Did he, he have a reason? Be, yeah, he wanted me to be big enough and you know have the intelligence level to be able to do stuff more on my own. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not just for me to be sitting out there with a rifle in my hand and not know what I'm doing and stuff like that. He just wanted to make sure I was pretty much, you know, more mature enough to handle everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's not a bad idea. Uh, You know, I've I've talked to a lot of guys on this podcast. They're like, dude, I shot my first deer when I was four or, no, excuse me, four or five or, or, uh, you know, something real young like that where, like, if I handed my kid a rifle right now, I don't even know if they could pick it up properly right or a muzzle loader or something like that that wouldn't that you know wouldn't kick the shit out of them but uh either way whatever you know whatever some kids are big i've seen some other kids in my uh my youngest boy he's four in his class that geez i'm like if you're on the same pace you might be eight foot tall so (laughs) right (laughs) Right. so so there are different sizes of kids but you know i don't blame your dad for for uh i mean for trying yeah and it was pretty much the same with him i think he said that his his dad my grandfather didn't allow him to go until he was 14 also so right. i think that that's something to do with it also yeah but so, that was just the mentality of everything yeah were you when, were you trying to uh like bribe your dad into going before you were 14 like dad please take me please oh, yeah. take me yeah i i sat with him i sat with him i didn't carry a gun at all or nothing like okay. that but i went and sat with him a few times beforehand um but yeah like a lot of my buddies you know, they started hunting when they were 12, so I was kind of bummed because I had to pretty much sit two years and not, you know, be able to kill anything. Right. But it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you were out there absorbing absorbing it, and then 14 yep. shows up. Yep. How long from the time you started, you know, doing the, the rifle season stuff before you picked up a bow? I think it was the next year. I'm pretty sure I was 15 when I got my first compound, but gotcha. it was nothing special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I, you know, other than kids today, the adults that I talked to, you know, when they started hunting back in the nineties the or, or the, you know, early two thousands or whatever, whenever kids started hunting, I've never really heard a story where the, they said, my dad went out and bought me a brand new bow. Or, you right. know, got a brand new bow. My first bow was from a garage sale. The arrows didn't even match. Yep. So, you know, yeah. so it was, it was one of those things where it's like, we'll see how serious you are before we put money into it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where my parents picked this one up that they got me, but it looked like it either came from a garage sale or bought it off somebody because yeah. it was nothing special. Right. Right. Okay. So 
at this time, you know, you, you know, you're 14 first gun season, 15 first, yep. like first time with a bow. Um, yep. how, how long did it take for you to actually shoot your first whitetail? Ooh, I think I was 16. Yeah. I don't think I hunted when I was 15 with my bow. I got the bow and I just think I practiced like that whole year. Okay. With it. Gotcha. And I'm pretty sure I was 16. I had my driver's license. I know. I'm pretty sure it was 16 when I shot my first archery buck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that was just the spike. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's a good start, man. Uh, yep. Did So 16, you shot your first archery. Did you shoot a, a, uh, a gun deer before that? Yes. Yes. Uh, my first year hunting when I was 14 with the rifle, I actually shot about 100, 110-inch 10-pointer. Oh, there you go. Not a bad start. Now, let me ask you nope. the, the, this question, because this is the question that I like, is the difference between the the gun kill and your spike with a bow. Was there was there any like emotional difference? Did you get more enjoyment out of the archery kill? Anything like that? Ah, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I know like when I shot the buck with the rifle, I was so in awe of like everything that just happened because I shot him on a deer drive. Yeah. So I just seen rack and I started shooting. I didn't even know what he was at first. Yeah. But I mean, I shot him at like 40 yards on a deer drive. I killed him right there. Gotcha. But I think I actually enjoyed and took more out of the bull kill. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting that spike. Yeah. Just something like that. I mean, I probably only had the bull I was shooting was probably only 45 pounds with like, no let off. <laughs> well, like one, one of those old, those old big fat Eastern air, uh, aluminum arrows. You know? Right. So, right. Like right. Oh, I can, I can still hear the sound that those aluminum arrows would make it when I would draw on my, uh, uh, on the, the first rest that I had, it was like metal on metal. Right. So it was just like exactly. <laughs> all yep. the way, man. I, I can, I can still hear that sound. Um, all right, yeah. so now you, you got an archery kill under your belt. You got a gun kill under your belt. At what point in this timeline did you start to get serious about it? Like some people just go and they, like for me, when I was 14 or, you know, pre-2006, uh, 2006. So in 2006 is when I started taking everything seriously. Uh, and really okay. fallen in love with bow hunting and hunting in general. Yeah. But before that, I was just kind of going through the motions. Nothing really. I wasn't hooked at that point. Uh, did yeah. the, was there a time that you got hooked into it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, immediately soon after I shot that spike, like I was hooked on archery. Like ever since then, every year I never missed the deer season. Yeah. You know, I hunted, but like really getting serious with like either, are you talking like just getting serious with like shooting deer or like getting serious with like really up in my game? Yeah. Up in the game. Like, cause you know just as well as I do. You've been, you've had, you've gone through enough hunting seasons where sitting on the field edges and just watching time go by doesn't really work. Or you know, yep. some, something had to happen in order for you to go, dude. Like this isn't working. I need to try something different. Probably up until 2020. Okay. 2020. Like, and I, it seems like a long time. And it's like I was one of those people I think that they thought they knew what they were doing. Yeah. But really I look back now and I'm like, man, I was just, I was probably just screwing more stuff up than anything. Yeah. So describe yourself like, because from how old are you now? I'm 37. Okay. 37. So from, from that time you were 14 to 
2020 when you when you just said you're kind of made a switch yep. or you opened your eyes yep. and, and things like that what kind of hunter were you i mean i still went out there every day but you know i didn't pay as much attention to the wind as i probably should yeah and i didn't strategize as much as i should you know i just kind of i've been hunting the same private property my entire life so i know pretty much where the deer are yeah so i would just I would never even really move my stands. I'd have hang on stands out there and I'd just leave them in the same tree from year to year to year and just go out there and sit and hope for the best and just pretty much go with my gut feeling. I mean, and it paid off. You know, I've shot some, I've shot quite a few deer. I mean, nothing that was really impressive. I mean, I'm happy with all my kills, but I mean, it's not like I was blasting 140s every year or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be shooting, you know, 90 inch eight pointers and stuff like that. I mean, good quality, you know, two and a half year old bucks. Yeah. And then, so, so what happened then when that all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I'm done with this part. I'm ready to move on. And and so what sparked this change in 2020? Pretty much. That's when I started listening to you guys on the podcast. (laughs) Great. (laughs) uh, I'm the, I'm the reason why uh, you decided or well, the, the podcasters, yeah, part the, the podcast game uh, for the outdoor yeah. industry. It opened, yeah. It opened up my mind more. Okay. And it made me think more about everything. Right. So like 2020 was a switch and I said, I'm not going to hunt like how I did before. I'm going to be more strategic. I'm going to pay attention to like wind direction. I'm going to try to move my stands around a little bit more and, uh, just figure out the property a little bit more than I hunt on, like find little hidden gems if there is any. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Before 2020, were you running trail cameras at all? Yeah. Yeah. I've pretty much ran trail cameras for the last 15 years. Okay. So were you, what were, what were the trail cameras telling you? Were the trail cameras telling you, Hey, there's bigger deer on this property. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, but a lot of them were nocturnal. Okay. All right. How many, how, uh, this property that you're talking about, how many other people do you share it with? Um, archery season, basically just me. I have a cousin that also, uh, once with a crossbow, he goes out a handful of times, but I'm out there as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as much stand time as I can get, I'm in the stand. Gotcha. And but, uh, rifle season, rifle season, there's five of us. Okay. There's five of us that gun hunt it. So it it gets it gets pretty much hammered at uh, rifle season. Yeah, and then there's neighbor properties around that, you know. Yeah. Gun hunt also. So. Gotcha. Okay. So 2020 comes. You made a decision that hey man, I need to I, I need to get better at this game. Why yep. specifically? Why why the change? I wanted to focus on. I I think it was more just like a personal like achievement. Like I want to like. I guess I wanted to grind a little bit more at it. You know, I gotcha. want to figure stuff out. I wanted to enjoy the grind of thinking more, the mental part of it, like figuring it out, trying to beat, you know, an animal at his own game, stuff like that. Right. So with a bigger buck in mind or a, a, an older yeah, age class in mind? To, yeah, I want to basically three-and-a-half-year-old or older. I didn't want to shoot anything less than that. Gotcha. Okay. So a lot of guys say that, you know, some guys are good at holding off and, and things like that, but there's also a group of guys that say, Hey dude, I, I want to go for a four-year-old or a three-year-old or an older age class, bigger antlers, whatever. And then yep. that the first season they decide to do that, the same deer that they've shot the past 10 years shows up and then they shoot it again right? (laughs) Did you have a, did you have kind of a, um, a moment where you were tempted by, uh, a deer of that, like, like you said, a a 90 inch eight pointer standing right in front of you? Oh yeah. I mean, we, we have a pretty healthy deer herd on our, on our farm. Yeah. It's actually, it's no, I call it a farm because it is my grandpa's old dairy farm. Yeah. But, uh, um, oh yeah. You know, end of September, early part of October, because we start September 
uh, usually 15th, 16th, 17th. It falls on a Saturday. Usually it's the third Saturday, third Saturday in September when our season starts here. Gotcha. The end of September, first week in October, somewhere in there. And yeah, there's a 90 inch shape pointer standing in front of me, 20 yards away. Not a care in the world. Has no clue I'm up in the tree. And it's like, ah, oh, I could just whack you right now. And right. You know, how but, hard, how hard was that? I mean, did you know, I mean, you ran trail cameras, so you must have known that there's bigger deer on the property. Was, oh, was yeah. passing it easy? Yeah, 100%. yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was easy because like, I, I just kept telling myself, I'm like, I know I'm not doing that anymore. I want to focus on something bigger. So like, I wouldn't even pick up my bow. I'd leave my bow hanging on the hanger and I just enjoy watching the buck do what he's going to do. And, but yeah, it was tempting, but I just tell myself no. And right. Okay. Let the night go on or the morning or whatever, whatever part of the day it was. Right. Okay. So the, the next step is you, you can't, you can't just say, I'm going to shoot a bigger deer this year. Right. You, you said that you wanted to feel the grind. You wanted to take the extra steps. Yep. What were the extra steps that you decided to, to implement in that 2020 season? I went down and I took down all my stands. I took down all my sets that I had, I probably had four out in the pro- on the property at that point in time. I took them all down and just like reevaluated everything, and I moved everything. And I just I looked at the I looked at the property, and I said I'm going to try it over here now. I'm going to try it over here, and I'm going to try it over here. Yeah. Pretty much just put up uh like a observatory stands on field edges. Yep. And that's how I kind of started hunting early season in 2020. And I kind of just moved in from there. Gotcha. And just focused more on more mature, like where more mature bucks were. Gotcha. I ran a couple more trail cameras and just kind of focus on that and just move in. Try to be kind of, you know, tactical about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you put up some trail cameras, uh, you put up some observation stands, and you were using that information on where to move next correct correct okay so how did those first couple moves go when you got the trail camera pictures when you got the you know the the visual from the observation stands was it a immediate move in or did you just go a little bit closer than a little bit closer or did you go in for the kill right away no i i would ease my way in like i'd maybe move my stands 50 yards or so and then sit again, you know, on an evening or something like that. Yeah. Um, I got one on the south end of our property. There's it goes from Cedar Swamp up to a ridge. Ridge is probably two, three acres, maybe roughly like that. Yeah. And then it then it you can overlook like some power line area, and then it goes out into a field. And that's like my honey hole stand. And I moved um, the buck that I ended up killing in 2020. That was the spot that it happened at and uh if i would have left my stand where it was even though it was only 50 yards i never would have killed that buck yeah yeah so so this trigger this thing whatever it was that made you go oh man i you know i've listened to all these different podcasts and i want to try something different right you try that different something different and and you, you put yourself into position, what made you move your stand from, from just that 50 yards, right? From that one little area where you never would have killed him to the area where you eventually shot this buck at. Cause I noticed most of the movement wasn't coming by me. Right. A lot of the deer movement, a lot of the deer traffic where they're going over this ridge was out of bull range. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to get over there. So, you know, I picked a tree, moved it, and it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um and and so was did did something click for you when that when that scenario led to success? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Talk- I think that's why I even had an even better 2021 season. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so what did you end up shooting in 2020? Um, it was a eight pointer, uh, three and a half year old 
smaller eight pointer. Okay. About a hundred inches or so. Gotcha. Huge body on it though. I mean, it around here, a buck to dress out at like 160, 165 is a big deer. Yeah. Body wise. And he was, and that was, uh, October 24th, 2020. Okay. All right. So, so net, the the age class and the caliber of deer necessarily didn't change, but the uh, the way you did it changed, right? And yep. d- did you have more fun doing it that way? Because some guys oh, yeah. some guys are c- completely happy with you know shooting a they don't care how they do it. They're just like, oh yep. man, I I shot the same thing I shot last year, but I I did it in a different way. It doesn't matter to me a deer you know a dead deer is a dead deer it sounds to me like you got enjoyment from the process <laughs> yeah i did it was it was awesome like yeah. i i i can't even express the emotion that i i had that day because if i wouldn't have moved that stand it never would have happened yeah and if i would have been in my old mindset i never would have moved my stand i would have said no i'm sitting here it's good you know right but i said nope i'm gonna do that and then I said, it's going to work and it worked. It's just like a set up. Yeah. Just like that self gratitude, you know, like it felt like an accomplishment. Yeah. That's awesome, man. All right. I did, I did something and it worked. Yeah. You put your mind to it. You made, you said to yep. yourself, Hey, I'm going to do it this way. You, that's the hardest part, man. I'm, I'm, and I don't, I don't think I, I, I've mentioned this throughout the years, but it is hard to take that first step right? It's so easy to walk to a field edge stand or a ladder stand that you've put somewhere, but it is hard to tear down when you're already exhausted. Maybe it's even dark out and you move your stand in the dark or, or you, um, or you decide that, Hey, I I need to, I'm going to tear down tomorrow morning and I'm going to move that 50 yards closer or whatever after that set. It sucks sometimes, whether it's hot or it's cold or or you didn't see anything, but sounds to me like what, what you did, it paid off and now you're jacked about, you know, now you're jacked about doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm usually so worried about making noise and, you know, set control and stuff like that. That's, I think that was the biggest reason why I never wanted to move sets before either. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to go out there and make a bunch of noise, you know, rip a set down, put it back up, you know, walk 200 yards into the timber and spread scent everywhere. And right. Like I just felt like I was going to screw stuff up doing right. it. And then... How big of a property is your grandpa's farm? Uh, 120 acres. Oh, okay. Wow. So it may so, set. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead. I was going to say about half of its woods, half of its egg field. Yeah. So a good 60 to 80 acres of it, I think, is timber. Okay. Roughly. And then the rest is, uh, is it uh, like a egg fields and pretty much egg field goes three quarters way around it. Yeah. Like, kind of like a horseshoe. Gotcha. Is it a block of timber or is it like fingers coming up into the fields? It's, it's one solid block, but it's longer than it is wide. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, um, you, you take that 120, you boil it down to 60, 80, whatever, whatever it is. And now, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, 40 acres, 50 acres of solid timber. It, it really isn't that big when it comes to, you know, hunting specific deer or, I mean, that's what I found anyway. I mean, Oh yeah, I agree. If you, I mean, you bump a deer out of that, it may not come back for a while or, or whatever. So the pressure is definitely felt there with every oh, yeah. every encounter that goes into a, a, a small piece like that. I mean, I hunt yeah. a farm. Well, I did. I lost it recently. But the farm that I hunt, is it, it's basically a lowercase i. I mean, it is just a straight line and uh, north-south. And so, for the most part, you have to access it from the north every single time off the road if you want to hunt down even at the farthest bottom point because you can't go through the other properties to get there with that said though um man i can't like when other people start walking through even if it's just one 
I can see my trail cameras show that change. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, yeah. they, sh- you know, something might just go nocturnal or things just may not move until I'm out of the woods. I, I've seen that all the time. So anyway, yeah. um, so what happened in, in 2020, right? You, you just come off of a year where you found success being more mobile. What, yep. what was your mindset going into the 21 season? I pretty much told myself I got to do the same thing again next year and, you know, make it, make it happen again like that. Yeah. Did you, uh, uh, a little bit different, but yeah. it was it was the same, but different in 2021. Yeah. So <laughs> did you say to yourself, I want to shoot a bigger buck this year or, yeah. or, okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm like, I'm like, now I got to go up from here. You know, like I just want to yeah. keep moving up the ladder. Yeah. Then that's a great, that, I mean, that's a great way to start. You can't, a lot of people try to get to the top of a ladder by jumping and I'll tell you, it's hard to do. Um, it's very hard to do. So when you, when, when you made the decision in 2021, okay, I got to, I'm going to do this the same way that I did it last year. Uh, I also want to jump up in the caliber of deer that I'm, I'm chasing. Yeah. What kind of information did you gain in the off season that, uh, you were going to use to, I don't know, whether it's scouting or access routes or uh, trail camera data or, you know, content that you listened to or, or that you read to help you become better than what you were in the 2020 season into the 2021 season? Um, more or less, I mean, I listened to content from you guys um, and I did a little bit more scouting in the spring, try, try to figure out like a little bit more about where they they bed and stuff like that. Yeah. More uh, focus more on trying to figure out like more on their travel patterns, like where they're moving from the field to where they bed in the property and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. I did focus more on last last year in 2021. I did focus more on trail cams, putting trail cams in better places to try to find more mature bucks instead of just getting pictures of deer <laughs> yeah and so did that pay off oh yeah big time yeah. i um the buck that i ended up killing in 2021 that wouldn't happen without any of that yeah plus uh that added i had to have a little help from my mom on that one too <laughs> yeah because uh my parents actually live on like the south east part of our property and they overlook um, like a seven-acre alfalfa field. Okay. That's, that's down on that end. And the buck that I ended up killing that year, they seen it two nights in a row coming out there in October. So that helped me out a little bit too. I knew he was in the area, but that helped it narrow it down too. Yeah, so you had pics of him, pics of this buck. Yeah. Okay. I had a velvet pic of him in August. And then a few hard horn pictures of him in September. And then I didn't have any of him in October. Gotcha. But I ended up going at the end of October. So. Gotcha. All right. So you, you got a couple. Um, was there anything specific from a strategy standpoint that you wanted to try to implement into the 2021 season that maybe you didn't d- even do in the 2020 season? Like, or focus on something. Yeah. Well, I knew about that buck that I ended up killing, so I pretty much focused on him and one other buck. And both of these bucks, I was getting at complete opposite ends of the prop our property. Okay. So I moved stands to complete opposite ends of the property to try to hunt these two bucks. And the buck that I ended up killing, I did not have a stand in the tree where I ended up killing him from though. Okay. That didn't happen until the day of. <laughs> gotcha. The day of killing him. So I had to make the bold move that day also. Okay. So, so first, that kind of answers your question. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're starting to realize the first time in, in has been the best time in for you. It was kind of like a hang and bang. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, all right. So you get this Intel from, Let's, let's walk through this this specific hunt. You get this intel from your mom saying, hey, I, I just saw this big buck in this alfalfa field two nights in a row. Um, yep. 
what was this buck doing? Talk to us about what this, what you think this buck was doing, and and then from a strategy standpoint, what was your plan to get in there and uh, try to get within shooting range of him? I think he was mainly just coming out to feed. There's uh, those on the field those two nights, so I mean it was end October, so he would come out, you know, bump a couple does around, eat. He'd be on the field for maybe a half hour, and he'd go back into timber. Got you. That's what she was telling me. Okay. And uh, so it was funny because the the night before that I killed him, I was on the north end of the property hunting that other buck, and she snaps a picture with her cell phone and sends me a picture of the buck that I ended up killing out on the field at 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. The night the night before. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it was the it was the same buck just he'd worked his way to a com- the completely opposite end of the farm. No, no, this is the buck that was living on the south end of the property. I gotcha. All right. I was I was hunting on the north end on at, at the other buck cuz I had two bucks that I really wanted to go after last year. Okay. Right. And so so, so the one shows up Yep. Obviously, did the other buck the other buck didn't show up that night? No, nope. I got skunked that night. I seen some smaller bucks. Those never seen the buck that I was after that night. So I said, "Screw it, you know I'm gonna tomorrow night. Tomorrow is gonna be my day, and I'm gonna focus on that other one." Okay. And, and I did not have a set there at that point in time. All right. So it's time to get it's time to get mobile. All right. Yes. Um, so walk us through uh, like everything, all the details of how you walked into this area, how you decided to, to, uh, you know, pick a, that, that specific tree. Talk to me about how you, uh, ended well, up like the wind direction, all that stuff. Okay. Um, the next day called for a, so I put it, I put the stand in the South, east part of the field is kind of a little pocket so the wind was actually blowing northwest it was blowing in my face um back into the timber but that was fine if it blew behind me because the last two nights my mom said when he came out in the field he came out on the opposite side so he'd be coming out in front of me if everything went according to plan (laughs) yeah so i pulled a set Hung it in that southeast pocket of that field up in a big cedar tree. And um, I hung it at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I went home, got prepared, got everything ready, shot my bow a couple times, make sure that was good to go. Um, I went back out at 4, and I'm pretty sure he stepped on the field at 4.30. I think it was like 4.30 or 40, somewhere in there. Okay. So you hung your stand up first, left the timber, and then went back? It was, yeah, I hung it right on the edge. It was right on the edge of the field in the, in the timber up in a big cedar tree. Okay. All right. Then you, you went home or you did something, and then you came back. Yeah. Okay. I went home, showered, and, you know, cleaned up and, you know, took a scent-free shower and got my clothes all squared away and everything like that. And Like, it was like, it was game time. Like, I was gearing up to go into battle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So, um, were you in, you put it in a, a big cedar tree. Was this cedar tree like at a, a low point of the field where these deer were coming out and, uh, like yeah. they were feeling comfortable? Yep. 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 There's a little, the field kind of drops down in the back right there and there's a big cluster of cedars in the corner. Okay. And, uh, I put it up in there. All right. But uh, the field is about a hundred yards wide. And they were coming out on the opposite corner a lot. Yeah. But like with the wind direction, it was perfect because they'd be upwind from me. So any deer that come out out over there would never smell me at all, at least. Yeah. So was this kind of a, a, with the wind blowing back into the timber, that's kind of a risky move, especially if you're hunting a field edge, right? It Um, was. It pretty much would screw up anything that would come from behind me. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you had, you had a really good feeling that the deer were working a specific portion of the ridge leading up to the, the alfalfa field. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 
that's the way to do it. I mean, that's what I, that's what I do, right? You, yeah, was, you find that quartering wind, yeah. and you you pretty much just say, hey, if uh, it's I'm good from here, it, I'm it's anything that comes from this yeah. way, I, was, I'm toast. It was it was a chance I was willing to take. Right, cool. All right, so you end up uh, you're in the tree stand, and you said so. It was only like thirty minutes until that yeah. buck showed up. Yep, but before him, a doe and a fawn came out. Okay. Were they and comfortable? Did they walk right by you? Any problems? They came out just like I intended. They came out on the opposite end, and they just, doe and a fawn, just, they yeah. just ate. They, you know, they, they just nibbled on alfalfa. They worked their way across the field. They ended up being like 15 yards in front of me, and they were cool as a cucumber. They could just sit there and be calm and... They had no idea I was up in a tree right above them. Perfect. And uh, I thank God for that doe and that fawn because if they wouldn't have been there, I don't think the buck, when he did come out, wouldn't have came. I don't know if he would have came my way or not, but it helped. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a live I had a live doe decoy in front of me, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, late October, right? The the bucks yep. are gonna they're gonna try to get downwind and scent check. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was uh it was like I reeled him in on a string. Right. It was he put on a whole show though. He came out I was probably sitting twenty minutes, twenty five minutes tops, roughly, you know. Yep. He popped out uh popped out the opposite field edge corner and there was a scrape there overhanging branch. And he came out and then, you know, it's broad daylight at that point in time at the end of October at you know, four thirty in the afternoon, quarter to five. Yeah. He came out and um he looked at that doe and he looked back behind him. He worked that scrape, stood on his hind legs, racked his antlers in the tree above him. Oh nice. Yeah. Pissed in the scrape. Nice. <laughs> like he put on a whole show in front of me. I'm like, yeah. this is awesome. And uh and then he turned and looked at that doe again and he put his head down. You know how they, they dog, you know, they put their head down, comes over kind of at a trot, and he let out the big, the loudest grunt I think I've ever heard of a, a whitetail buck ever. Really? In all my years of hunting, I've never heard of a buck. It just it was like a beller. Like, almost like a roar. And that, Yeah. And that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Oh, dude. <laughs> and so how far, how and, far out is he at this point? At this point, he's probably about 60 yards. And he's coming kind of at a, a fast walk across the field at this doe. And at this point in time, I don't even have my bow in my hand because I was all caught up in what he was doing. I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening, you know? So he, so he pops out, you get, you get fired up. And, yep. uh, is this is like, where's this deer rank on the biggest deer of your life? This is the biggest bow kill I've ever had. Okay, biggest bow kill. He's right in front of yeah. you. He's starting to work his way towards the doe. Like, were, did you feel safe in that cedar tree? I, I feel like there's oh, a yeah. lot of back cover. I mean, could you get away with some yeah. movement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't brush out it out a lot. I wanted to make sure there's a lot of branches around me and stuff like that. Just kind of conceal me because, you know, I was on a field edge. So I didn't want to open it up too much. Yeah. So... Yeah, he had no clue I was even there. He was just focused on that doe. Perfect. And so, and, walk us through the rest of the, you know, the rest of this uh, this shot. I turn, I turn up and grab my bow because I'm like, I'm like, it's 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 on. Like this is, that's that's him. You know, I'm. So I grab my bow, and I swing around, I clip the release on, and he's standing there. He stops about 15, 20 yards away from her. So he's about. 30 yards at this point from me, roughly. Okay. And uh, I got my pin set at 20, and I want him to come another 10. I want to, I want to shoot him at, le- at least 20, if not closer, you know? Yeah. And he's quartering to me. He's got his head down. And uh, my crap, I'm like, I really don't want to take a quartering two shot, you know? I really don't like quartering two shots at all. Okay. And uh, he made another, like, six, seven steps forward. And he picked his head up, but he didn't pick his head up and look at me. He picked his head up, just like kind of look at her. And she whips her head and looks at him, 
And I could tell by her body language, I started looking at her too out of like the corner of my eye. She was getting like antsy, like she wanted to bolt, like she didn't want anything to do with him. And I'm like, it's now or never. Cause I'm like, if she bolts into the timber behind me, I'm like, it's over. Cause he's probably going to go right after her and I'm not going to be able to shoot this deer because there was solid cedars behind me. I can't shoot behind me at all. So I picked my bow up. I settled the pin between his neck and his, that front shoulder blade in that soft spot. And so he, and he went, was, he was quartering hard, pretty hard then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I felt confident. Yep. And I let that arrow fly and I watched that whole arrow bury in his chest cavity all the way up to just to the fletchings. Nice. Yeah. That's a good feeling. I've never heard, like I said before about whole, the whole grunting thing. He let out the biggest, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't really call it a grunt, but it was like a, I guess a cough, but like a, a loud deep ah, cough. Like a, <laughs> like I just got shot and I'm going to die. Yeah, and I've never, I've never heard a deer make that noise either. Yeah. I drilled him with the arrow, arrow sunk in, he made that noise and he turned and he made it right to the field edge where he stepped out, and he—I seen his legs go flying up in the air. He yeah, buddy. Right, head over, you know, ass over tea kettle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Done right there. Yeah. And he never got back up. And, and so I was like, "Holy shit, that just happened." Yeah, and so like we're like, this is this is probably my favorite, right? You shoot the deer, you—they run out of distance, and you you can't really celebrate yet, right? But if you see him drop in sight, yeah. yeah, I was you, in shock. Yeah, but if you see him drop in sight, that's a different story. Then that's when I get like, oh, like I get fired up. Yeah. yeah, like I seen him flip, but I couldn't really see his body because there's on the edge of the field, it it went into grass and then into the woods. Yeah, so he was laying right there and all that tall grass and stuff like that. I really couldn't see him, but. I was sitting there watching, watching, watching for a good five minutes, and I never seen him get back up. Awesome. So I was assuming he was laying right there, which he was, but yeah, you know, I was, I'm like, he's got to be right there. Right. How much time did you give him before you got out of the stand? Uh, good ten minutes. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you knew he was dead. But I, I sat there and I watched that corner like I watched it like a hawk, and I'm like, I didn't see him get back up. I'm like, I don't hear anything. Like it was dead quiet. It was dead quiet that night. I mean, there was probably only maybe a five mile an hour wind, and uh, I'm like, he's he's toast. I'm like, yeah. so I got down there and I almost <laughs> I lost I I tripped off the last step of my climbing stick. <laughs> I was so I was so excited. I got down and I missed the last step. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> slipped a little bit, but uh, yeah, I walked over where I drilled them and it was like instant blood everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for not even not having a pass through, I mean, the arrow went in and I had blood right there and the arrow ended up, he ended up kicking the arrow out halfway across that field. Yeah. Which I didn't end up finding it until the next day. But cause I went over there by him. I'm like, where the hell's my arrow? And even when I gutted him out, I couldn't find it. I'm like, well, he only ran, 80 yards across this open alfalfa field. I'm like, it's got to be laying somewhere. Right. Right. <laughs> I ended up finding it, but yeah. Awesome. So you walk up to this deer and you put your hands on them for the very first time. What was going through your head? I, I was just in shock, like yeah. speechless. I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, this was the buck that I was after. And it all happened, came through. And I, I ended up calling my, Telling my buddy Kevin, you know, he's like my best friend, my one of my best hunting partners. Like, if I shoot a deer, I call him first. Right. Uh, I called him, and I'm like, you know that big tall eight? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, he's dead. I'm like, I just smoked him. Yeah. And just like a wave of emotion came over to me. Like, just, it feels all, you know, it just felt so surreal. You know, like, yeah. I couldn't believe it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I just sat there and I just sat there for like probably a good five minutes and just like stared at him laying there dead in front of me. Like I picked the rack up, checked them all out and stuff like that. Like I just had a moment with him. Yep. Before I walked away. Yeah. 
that's the best part, dude. It, it, uh, honoring the beast, so to speak, right? Oh. You, you're you're just. I don't know. I don't know what you go through, but I I sit there and I'm just like, dude. I I just took this life for this animal, so you got to you show it you show it the respect it deserves because it's gonna. You know, it's it's gonna feed you. It's gonna be a memory yeah, on your wall and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. So now, how long? Uh, let's see. How how big was this deer? Um, I you talking like score? So you, I don't like know weight? score or age class I, estimates. I never had them officially scored, and I'm no pro. But I printed off a Pope and Young sheet off the internet, and I scored them at 134. Okay. As a eight pointer or, or a it. ten? As an eight. As, as an eight. eight. Yeah. That's a good yep. deer. He's got yeah twenty one inch long main beams. He's he's like perfectly symmetrical. He's got oh, twenty one nice. inch long main beams. Uh, nine and a half G twos, eight inch G threes. He's like five inch at the bases, and it goes all the way up by his G threes. He's like four and a half for mass. Yeah. Like he, he's pretty thick. That's awesome. <laughs> That's all. What what did you you guess him at a three three year old then? I don't know, like, I three and a half or four and a half. I yeah. don't know. He's got, I don't know. He's he's got that stocky head on him. You know yeah. what I mean? That blocky head. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what makes me think he's more mature than I think he actually is. I never had him aged. I wish I would have. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. But so definitely my biggest buck. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Uh, and so now you got two two years worth of success doing this new style of, of hunting that you've, you said that you were going to do. What's in the, yep. what's in the cards for the 2020 season? Pretty much the same. I mean, it's, it's paid off the last two years. I'm going to be more mobile. I mean, that's pretty much, that was the key to pretty much my success the last two years was not being afraid to move stands and get a little aggressive, I guess. Yeah. You could say, yeah, well, that's good. Um, so I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind for this year. Um, I got a couple decent bucks on trail cam already. I mean, that was I pulled those pictures, and those were pictures from back from July. Yeah. So I haven't went and looked. I don't like to go check them too often. So I don't run cell cams. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the chip guy. I got to go out there and pull the chip. Yep. But I don't like to go out there any more than pretty much – two weeks, two, three weeks at the most. Like, I don't like going out there every week and checking them or anything like that. Like, I don't want to yeah. get out there that much. But I yeah. sent you some trail camp pictures. I think it was the last week or something. I had some velvet pictures. Nice. I'll have to check those out. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, I sent those to you on, uh, on Facebook. But, um, yeah. Perfect. So, I mean, they look they look like some good quality three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half-year-old bucks. All, all of three of them look like eight-pointers. Yeah, I really, I don't know. I kind of want to go for something more than an eight. Yeah, but you can't, you can't shoot the bucks that aren't there. Right. So, <laughs> so you got to kind of take what you can get. Right. But, but at um, the same time, right? The, here's here's this this next thing is right. The next three year old that walks by, if you want to shoot a bigger antlered buck, and here this is the issue that a lot of people have, right? They want that bigger buck. It's currently not on their farm. So they decide, well, I'm going to shoot this three-year-old, but if you pass it, it might make it through. It, it just might. Who knows if it will yep. or not. It might make it through to a four-year-old and then probably just be bigger the next year. Or you got to go find different properties to hunt, whether that's public yep. or, or knocking on doors or things like that. Yep. So. And, you know, I'm going to see what, you know, beginning of September rolls around, see what I got, you know, once they shed velvet, yep. see what else, see if any new bucks show up. Um, but yeah, we do have public land not far from here. It's a huge like cattail swamp with yeah. ridges in it and stuff like that. And uh, I did go scout that in the spring of 2020. I went in there in March and uh, took a walk. Me and my dad did. Yeah. And uh, that looked like a deer haven. And I told myself last year if I wasn't tagged out by november i was going to go in there and hunt a rut like the first week of november well i ended up shooting that buck on october 26th <laughs> so you know I, I didn't have a buck tag yeah so this year um if i don't 
shoot a buck in October because Wisconsin, we weren't allowed to shoot one buck with the bow. Yep. Um, if I'm not tagged out by then, if it hits November, I think I might venture into that public land and give it a shot. Nice. Nice. Well, hey, man, congratulations on the last two years of archery kills. And uh, let me be the first Thanks. to wish you good luck this upcoming season, man. Hopefully you connect on uh, a bigger and badder buck and, and uh, you find success, whatever that definition is. Yeah, thank you. I feel honored that you let me come on and talk to you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for uh, sharing a good story. And uh, again, good luck, man. Yeah, you too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Zach, man. Congratulations on an awesome 2021 season and good luck in the future to uh, all your all your other hunts, man. Hopefully you slay. Good luck to each and every one of you as the season comes up, man. There's no other there's like i really hope you guys all find success that's the goal right because uh, when you guys find success that means i'm doing something good and uh i, I love it i just I, I love it i love having the the stories i love talking and communicating with you guys i mean and, and really that's what it's all about and then uh huge shout out to tethered wasp hunt stand and vortex if you have any questions about those products hit me up on instagram and i'll be able to share some insight with you uh last but not least it's all about the good vibes, man. And we definitely have to have good vibes in this crazy world we live in. And uh, we got to spread the good vibes. So good vibes in, good vibes out, and most definitely wear your safety harness. And we'll talk to you next time.